Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. We glorify you, Jesus. We glorify you. We magnify you. There is no one like you. We magnify you. We glorify you. We give you honor and thanks and praise. How we worship you. 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 We worship you. We worship you. How we worship you. How we worship you, Jesus. How we worship you, Jesus. How we worship you tonight. For we know what we shall receive tonight. And we give you thanks and glory for all that you have for us in your in the greatness of your plan tonight. And we're here to take it. We take it, 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 we take it. We take it, we take it, we take it. We take it, we take it. We glorify you, we glorify you, we glorify you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. We take it, we take it, we take it, we take it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can be seated. I, uh, God said something to me really years ago that came into my heart of something that he was going to give our ministry. That it was just in my heart, someone's going to give it to you. And so I was saying, thank you, Father, that someone's going to give us this. And I'm calling it out before him. I thank you, Father, someone's going to give that to us because he said that in my heart. And recently, he corrected that. Yes, it's true. He's going to work through the hands of men. Someone to give it. But he said, what you need to be saying is not talking about someone who's going to give it. Talk about who already gave it. He said, it's not saying someone's going to give me. He said, you need to start saying it is given. Because once he says it's yours, manifestation is really a side issue. Once it's given from heaven, once he tells us what he's made ours, there's the victory right there. That's what, that's what faith needs. What has God given? What has God already given? That's what we take hold of. Because that someone is going, he's going to use somebody in that transaction. That, that's just the manifestation side. But the victory side, the power side is what comes from him. And what that does, you understand what that would do for me in saying someone's going to give it to me. It, it keeps us mindful of manifestation. Mindful of manifestation yeah. instead of mindful of what he already gave. Yeah. 
So he said to me, it is given. All you have to do is receive it. It's not necessary for you to keep bringing up what somebody else's part is in it. He said, it's magnify my part in it. And then do my part. So I magnify his part that he already gave it. And that's what I hook my part to is what he already gave, not to what somebody else is going to do. And if you're not careful, people can come and say, I'm going to be healed when Pastor Nancy lays hands on me. What that is, I'm the middleman. Could I say it that way? And what we say is God's already given healing. He's already provided healing. I'm not going to get my eyes on the middle man. I keep my attention, my focus, my words on it is given. It can't help but manifest because it is given. And people are so mindful of when is it going to manifest? When's it going to show up? When's the pain going to leave? When is the body going to change? When is the doctor going to give me the good report? And all of those things sound right and sound positive, but it diminishes and sets aside. He already gave. He already gave. It is given, I receive it. It is given, I receive it. It is given, I receive it. I don't care who he uses. I don't care who the middleman is. I don't care who the hands are. I don't even care the calendar. Faith is only occupied with one thing. What has God given? Faith is not occupied with the calendar. Faith is not occupied with the clock. And when we're watching the calendar to see how long has it been since I've been standing. How long have I been saying this? When our, when our attention has gone to the clock or the calendar, we left the place where healing flows from. People say, well, I get up and I check my body and my body's no different. Why are you checking your body? Healing doesn't flow from your body. Your body is not the source of your healing or your health. He is. His word is. He sent his word and healed. We check the word. We don't check the body. The body is not the source of healing. It's the recipient of healing. It's not the source. So we don't check our body to see if what he has given is true. It's true because he said it. When we have attached our faith to one thing, what he said. What he said. Faith only has one thing to hold to. What did he say? And when pain seems to increase, we say, we say even more. I know what he said. It is given. It is given. It is given. Not going to be given. It is given and I receive it. I receive what is given. And you say, Pastor Nancy, I just don't quite understand that. This is why Brother David said you need to get in more miracle crusades. These things have to dawn on your spirit. These are spirit words. They're not mental reasoning words. God's people, he delivered them out of Egypt. He said, I have a land for you. I give you a land. Already gave it. 
What was the problem? They were looking at the middleman. They went in and spied it out and looked how big the middleman was. He's squatting big on that land. Giants on that land. We look like grasshoppers compared to them. What, what did they have to do to look out here? They had to quit looking at what God said. God had already given the land. All they had to do was believe what he said. They didn't have to fight to get it. They just had to believe what he said. And he would bring it to pass. It is not your job to make sure your body's healed. It is your job just to believe what he said. It's not my job to get rid of symptoms. It's not my job to get rid of pain. I can't do that. My job is to hold to what he said. Immovable. Will not be swayed. Will not be swayed. Can I say this? Symptoms are nothing but a temptation to be sick. Pain is nothing but a temptation to be sick. Yeah, it's a temptation. And what do we do? We resist temptations. If someone were to tempt you to steal or lie or something, you'd say, no, I recognize that. Is that if I cooperate that, that will take me in a wrong direction. If I cooperate and believe pain and believe symptoms and believe... I'm not saying that we're acting like it's not there. I'm saying we're laying something greater on what tries to be there. Just like we would resist the temptation to lie, we resist the temptation to be sick. When the devil offers that temptation, we say, no, thank you. Because I know what's already given to me. And what's already given, I don't have to try to get it. I so love... One of my favorite stories, one of my favorite stories, Sister Pat Harrison's in the house again tonight. Sister Pat Harrison, we love you. This is, in our household, the Hagen family is spiritual royalty. Because her dad has been a, the, the, um, the spiritual father to us for decades before he went home to be with the Lord. And she's carrying on the message, carrying on exactly the flow that he was, he was moving in and what he was imparting to the body of Christ. And she has such a wonderful, precious ministry. And we so value and appreciate. But I tell Dad Hagen stories as though they're mine. Like, I was born again at 20 minutes till late in the south bedroom before 405 North College Street, the city of Kenny, Texas. I mean, I just, it's like, oh yeah, that's his. That's not mine. Okay. <laughs> and if we went to a meeting of dads and he did not start telling that, I would go, you robbed me. <laughs> I need, yes, I can say it, but I need to hear it yeah. because in his, in the telling of those yeah. events and those moves of God in his life, I heard answers for my life. Yeah. So I keep telling them. Yeah. Yeah. Keep telling them. Why? Not because they're his stories, but because they landed in me. And I keep going back to them. One of my absolute favorite is that when he was at mom and dad Goodwin's house, he was preaching in their church. And he had been raised up off of his deathbed as a teenager. He got hold of the healing message. And uh, he received his healing, received miracles to raise him up off that deathbed. But he says at different times, those symptoms would try to come back of the heart symptoms that he had had. And one night he, uh, he had had for several nights heart symptoms trying to come back. And he was in their house one night in the sleep, well, trying to go off to sleep. But the heart symptoms had been maybe second or third night he had noticed these. And uh, he said they were alarming heart symptoms. And uh, he said right there, I just, I just pulled up 
the covers over my head so it wouldn't wake anybody else up in the house. And did what the seagulls were talking and leading us into today. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. And he said it sounded just that inspired. And he said, I just laid in the bed with the, head, the covers up over my head saying, ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. And, uh, and the devil spoke to him and says, what are you doing? He said, I'm laughing. Who are you laughing at? I'm laughing at you. He said, why are you laughing at me? And he said, because you just said to me, this is one time you're not going to get your healing. The devil said, that's right. This is one time you're not going to get your healing. And dad just kept under the covers. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. People say, that doesn't make sense. That makes Bible sense. Why, did, why is that? Well, since we're created in the image of our Father, we need to act like Him. The Bible says that at destruction and famine, I will laugh. At destruction and famine. These are aggressive words. And a laugh is enough if you're releasing your faith when you laugh. It's not just making and imitating a sound. It's the release of faith through rejoicing, through that sound of victory, that laughter. So he just pulls his head, his covers back up over his head and just says, ha, 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 ha. He said, I went on for about another 10 minutes. Again, the devil said, what are you laughing at? He said, I already told you I'm laughing at you. Why are you laughing at me? Because you said. This is one time I'm not going to get your healing. The devil said, that's right. This is one time you're not going to get your healing. And Brother Hagin said to him, he said, devil, I'm not trying to get my healing. Did you get it? I'm not trying to get my healing. None of you came here tonight to try to get your healing. And if you say, I came here tonight to try that, we'll get on a different page. Get on a different page. Yes, amen. Praise God. Glory to God. And the devil said, this is one, night, this is one time you're not going to get your healing. He said, devil, I'm not trying to get my healing. Why would I want to try to get my healing? Jesus already got it for me. Yeah. You hear the slight difference from get to got. One letter. The devil will use technicalities. One wrong way of thinking. One just slightly off way of thinking. One letter from get to got. If you're trying to get it, you've not read yet. You've not read yet. It's not dawned on the inside of you. I've got it. I've got it. You don't have it because your body tells you you have it. You have it because he said you have it. Faith is holding to what he said. We do not attach our faith to our body because a body can change in a moment. I've got it. 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 Every one of you, you need to sit and say, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Why? Because he already gave it. (laughs) 
And then when Dad Hagen said that, he said, now you get your symptoms and you get out of here. And he said, just like that, he gathered up all his symptoms and he left. Why? Because he couldn't find wrong thinking to enter through. Wrong thinking is an open door to the enemy. Right thinking is a closed door. Will the enemy show up? He sure will. And it matters what your door is doing. It matters what your door is doing when he shows up. Um, Stephen and I, Stephen and I are very much alike in a lot of things, whether he likes to know it or not. <laughs> One of the things we, we like candy, but I'm, I'm off of it. He's still on it. <laughs> but another thing is we like stuff. We like stuff. Yeah. I just like stuff. You know, some people will say, you know, for my birthday, just give me a card and just a nice card. That's, that's nice, but I like stuff. I used to tell my husband, don't ever get me a gift with a cord attached to it. I don't want a blender. I don't want a vacuum. I, don't, I want my stuff to sparkle. I, I'm just, I'm just, yeah. How sparkly are you tonight, sister? Stand up. We got to see your sparkle. Yeah, this woman, she's on the sparkle side of life. Right? Turn around. Hold up, hold up your bracelet. Oh, yeah. She, living on the sparkle side of life. No cords attached to us anywhere. No. And so we both like stuff. You know? We just like stuff. And we don't like waiting for Christmas. I'm not real easy to buy for because if I want it, I buy it. Why? Because I'm not waiting. I like stuff. And so, uh, you know, thank God for different places like Amazon or whatever. Just a click, baby. Just a click. And I got stuff on the way. I will sit. If I'm, if I'm long gone on a trip, you know, I've, I've been gone sometimes four, six weeks at a time. Not coming home. Brother, I come home and my kitchen table looks like, like Santa Claus himself and all the elves were there. Yeah. We are just, I just, st- I just stand there and open because I've been click and click on the way on the road. And they just, yeah, Miss Joy, you seem to be enjoying, she, look at her, she's laying back. She just got full on that one. <laughs> I love to come home to packages waiting for me. Look, somebody loved me. Oh, it was me. (laughs) Oh, my. Me must love me a lot. And when I'm home, when I'm home, I walk out because I have the, the home um, that I'm living in right now. It has the front doors, but they're not to the house or to a large courtyard. And then you come into the courtyard and then there's another entrance into the house. So I have to go out through the courtyard and then open those doors. Even if I haven't placed an order, Pastor, I go out every day and look and see if there's a box. Every day. Every day. Every day. Just in case. Just in case, just in case I open that door and I go out there. 
Don't know. I need to get on and order something. <laughs> because a missed day is a missed opportunity, right? <laughs> You know, you just say, well, you're just carnal. I don't know. I don't know about that. The Bible says God loads us daily with benefits. He likes loads of stuff. In fact, his benefits are so loaded, one day can't hold it all. It takes every day to unload the load. Every day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but there are times when if I order something and if I'm not there to receive it, it just stacks up. Why? Because I didn't open the door. It doesn't matter that I ordered it. It doesn't matter that I even paid for it. It doesn't matter that it's got my name on it. When God moves in our life, he offers it to us. He does not bust in the door and shove it in your hands and say, here it is. Right. He brings it and says, here you go. Yes. You have to open the door. Yeah. Yeah. Can I tell you the word get is a closed door. The word got is the open door. I've got to get it. That's the closed door. No, I've already got it. Not because it has shown up, but because he already gave it. And I'm talking about what he gave. I'm not talking about manifestations. Why? Because once it's manifested, faith is no longer called for. Faith is only dealing with the invisible. Faith is only dealing with the unseen. Amen. Can I tell you another thing that's a closed door? Worry. Yes. Worry is a closed door. It closes the door to the power of God. Um, probably, I want to say maybe 2009, 2010, my husband and I, along with about probably 15 other ministers, we went over to St. Petersburg, Russia, and we were preaching. And I was preaching on... A, the sin of worry. See, Christians don't know that's a sin. Yes. Yeah. They think it's an option. No, it's not. They treat worry like an option. But worry's a sin. Yeah. If we'll treat it like a sin, we need to learn to resist the temptation to that sin. Yeah. People would say, what do you mean it's a sin? Jesus said, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, take no thought for your life. What's that mean? Don't take a worry about your life. Take no thought for your life. What you shall eat, what you shall drink, what you shall put on. He's saying, don't take a thought even about what you drink. Don't take a thought about what you eat. Don't take a thought about what you put on if you'll have this. And you say, well, he's just talking about, you know, food and drink. And he's not talking about big things. He's talking about something you need every day. Yeah. Every day. And if he doesn't want you thinking and worrying about that which you deal in every day, he certainly doesn't want you thinking and dealing with something that might come up once a month or once a year and worrying about that. 
Now, if you'll recognize Brother Hagen's testimony of when he was raised up off of his deathbed as a 15-year-old, incurable heart condition, deformed throughout his entire chest cavity, had a blood, an incurable blood disease. Um, you think about that. He, as a Baptist boy, he didn't even know that healing was available. He didn't know the word got. He didn't know that healing was available. But on his deathbed, God did not start first dealing with him about healing. He started first dealing with him about a sin, the sin of worry. He had to deal with that sin of worry. Quit worrying about his body. Quit worrying about what was the matter with him. Because the doctors at, at early on had not told him what was the matter. And he said, I just lay in the bed and worry about it. What's the matter with me? And that's the first thing God began to deal with him about. Why? Because worry is a closed door. He can't even get healing to him through a closed door. It's good. So that's the first thing he dealt with. And when he committed, I'll never worry another day in my life. Then God carried him on to the revelation of healing. Why? Because if you're going to worry about your body, worry about your healing, even if someone lays hands on you and you receive healing, if you worry, you'll lose it. So we were in St. Petersburg, Russia, preaching. And I preached on the sin of worry. And uh, Jesus came into that auditorium. Ed would teach us. He said, when, when you're preaching and you're, you're in a service and all of a sudden it just goes dead still. He said, that's usually because Jesus has walked into the room. And there's a reverence that moves throughout the place. Everybody will sense it whether they're, uh, they've been saved very long or not. They'll sense something. And it happened that night. And we were walking all the way. That, that was toward the end of the service. And we got up and we walked out of that sanctuary, out of that auditorium. We went downstairs to the hospitality room. And one of the men that was there with us, one of the pastors, he comes into the hospitality room weeping. And uh, he said, when we were walking down a flight of stairs, and they were wide stairs, it was a beautiful historical building there in Russia. You talk about fabulous architecture. Beautiful, wide stairway. And he said, Pastor Nancy, he said, when I was walking down the stairway, Jesus was right at the landing. And he talked to me. And I said, what did he say? And he's telling this in the hearing of all the ministers that are there. He said there were tears running down his face. What's that show? Longing. And he said there were tears running down his face. And he said, this is the primary reason why my people do not receive what's provided for them. What was it? Worry. Worry. How do you know if you're worrying? If you're thinking about it. If you're thinking about it. Once we've cast the care on him. If we're not going to worry, what are we going to do? We're going to cast the care on him. Once we've cast the care on him, we're not to worry any longer. That means we can't think about it anymore. All we're going to keep doing is we're going to keep thanking him that he's working on it. We don't go silent over that need. 
We say, thank you, Father, you're working on it. You're working on it. You're working on it. You're working on it. You're authorized to never worry another day in your life. This is the skill of faith. To recognize worry is a skill of faith. I said to recognize worry is a skill of faith. You worry and talk about the lack of money, it'll keep it from coming in. You worry, thinking about your body, it'll keep the door closed to the power of God working. You're authorized to never worry another day in your life. How do you know if you're worrying? If you're thinking about it. If you're thinking about it. That means we're going to have to quit talking about some of the things we've been talking about at, dinner, at the dinner table. That's right. That's right. They're dead subjects because the Father's working on it. Yes. Yes. Amen. Whenever, uh, <clears throat> now see, Jesus appeared to say this is a primary reason. We need to pay attention when it's of that, that importance. Um, I was raised in southwest Oklahoma, Altus, Oklahoma. My dad was a cotton and wheat farmer there. First eight years, I lived in Olusty. I don't know, maybe a couple hundred people. Maybe. 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 More dogs and cats than people. Never saw a fence. I, there, no, you didn't have fences. Oh, no, no. The dogs went and visited their neighbors. The kids went and visited theirs, you know. And it was just an easy, simple lifestyle. But then we moved over to Altus when I was eight years old. We moved 12 miles. I thought we just went across the world. <laughs> and there was not much. You had to find your fun. Yeah. And you know where you found it? You made it. And uh, so we didn't. My dad worked long hours. My mother, when I hit eight years old, she went to work. Because my two older brothers went into college and she had to help financially with that. And so uh, we didn't get to go many places. Farmers don't like leaving their land anyway. They don't want to visit you. They don't want to go visit any of you relatives. They, they don't want to be away from their land. And so we didn't, go, we didn't go places. And we didn't go in town for recreation and do stuff. They were working. And so one day the neighbors came over to mother and said, Carolyn said, um, there's a carnival in town. We're going to take our kids. We wanted to know if Nancy, if, you, if you'd let Nancy go with us. Mother said, oh, yeah, she can go. So mother gave me the money to go to the carnival. She handed me a quarter. That's what I had was a quarter. I, that, that, you know, that was sufficient. You want to know why? I didn't want the rides. I have I I really appreciate you who are so heroic that you get on those rides. I mean, there's a if you look behind the wall, there's a bucket of bolts, you know. <laughs> and it's like it takes a lot of faith to get on that. Yeah. You know, sit up, tear down, sit up, tear down, and things just you know. Anyway, but I never was interested in the rides. I wasn't interested at all in the rides. <laughs> I was interested in one place, the jewelry booth. Yeah, eight years old. Got to find the jewelry booth. The glory was in me early on. <laughs> I find the jewelry, the jewelry booth and I put my quarter up on the counter and I said, what will this get me? Yeah. Yeah. 
And he said, honey, that will get you a necklace with a charm on it. I said, I want it. And you know it was fine. It was fine because I saw him personally unroll it off that big spool right there on the thing. You know it was fine. And those links were so tiny and thin. And then he put a charm on it. Oh, I love my necklace. I was sparkling. And I, but the, you know, when you're eight, your fingers can't work those tiny clasps. And so I just put it on and didn't take it off. I slept in it. I took a bath in it. I went to school in it. I lived in that thing. Just, yeah, just lived in it. She has such unction at right moments. <laughs> and I just lived in that thing. After a period of time, you can understand what that, that chain looked like. It was so knotted up because the, the, the links were so fine. And I had gotten it off and my cure for it was jerk it. Just jerk it. Jerk those bumps out of that. And mother walked in on me one time when I was doing, working on it. She said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm getting the knots out. And she said, that's not how you get them out. Worrying is not how you get them out. Yes. Worrying is nothing but jerking on the problem, making it tighter. So... She held out her hand and said, I'll fix it for you. So I put it in her hand. 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 Since it was in her hand, it wasn't in mine anymore. I had nothing of it to touch. She took out a straight pin. And little by little, she worked each of those knots out, one after the other. She got on the last one, and I'm watching because it's my sparkle. Yeah. <laughs> I can't leave the room without my sparkle. It was not like, I'll come pick that up later. No, I'm going to watch it, make sure you do it right. And so she's working on that very last knot, and I see it loosening. And so I, I grabbed it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I just wanted to finish it because I saw the finish line. Uh -huh. And I just wanted to finish. I can do that part. Yeah. And so I just reached over and took it from her. I didn't ask her to hand it back. I just reached over and took it from her and immediately started working on it the best way I know. Jerk it. <laughs> started jerking it. And you know exactly what happened. It went right back into that knot. And she just looked, stood there looking at me with disgust. <laughs> And she said, if you'll give it back to me and leave it there, I'll fix it. But if you're going to take it, I can't help you. That's what worry is, us taking it and him not being able to help us. Why? Because it can't be in two hands at once. It can't be in two hands at once. When you use the word, I'm going to get it, you're implying he still got it. And it can't be in you and with him at the same time. When you say, I've got it, you're saying it has transferred 
from him to me. Praise the Lord. One word. One word means your freedom. One letter means your victory. The devil always wants, he doesn't mind you saying get. He doesn't mind you using words that are almost right. You say, well, you know, it's, it's just one word. In a court of law, one word turns a case. It determines the ruling. Amen. What is our job and our, our position? We talk about what has already been done. And we receive it as done. We're not talking about, I'm going to get it. Yes. We're not talking about someday. We're not talking about tomorrow. You say, I got it now. Faith is now. Yes. Until you use the word now, you have not released your faith. That's right. That's right. Because now, Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is. Now, it's my now. I'm not saying it has shown up. This is where many people get confused about the faith truth. And that is this, Mark 11, 24. What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. People think it means this. What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that it's manifested and you shall have it. That's what they're thinking God is when they hear the faith message, they think that we're trying to tell you, you have to believe something has manifested that it's not. He's not talking about manifestation. He's talking about receiving. Receiving and manifestation are two different things. Yes. Why is that? Because receiving is a spirit action. It's an action of your spirit. It is your hand of faith laying hold and say, I lay hold of that. I receive it now. And it can't manifest until you perform the act of receiving it. And once you perform the act of receiving, that's when manifestation can happen. Many times people are thinking that God's asking them to believe something's manifested. That's not. He's not asking you to believe something's manifested. He's asking you to believe he's already provided and you receive it by faith while it's still in its invisible form. Yes. Because your answer, it exists in two forms. It exists in the invisible form. Then the visible form. It exists in the unseen realm. And then it will manifest in the seen realm. Receiving is an action we do toward that which is still invisible. And we say, I believe he's already purchased my healing and made it mine. And I lay hold of it. I receive it with my spirit. God does not heal you through your body. He heals you through your spirit. Divine healing is a spiritual flow. It is not a physical thing. Now, it shows up in the physical, but it first comes through your spirit. Once you lay hold of it with your spirit, it's only a matter of time before it'll show up in the natural. You have to first lay hold of it with your spirit. Amen. The thing is, we're authorized to believe he that believeth hath, is what the word, listen it. He that believeth hath. 
Meaning this, once you believe it's yours, God authorizes you to call it yours. Before it's even manifested. Why? Because people in the world that are unsaved that don't know anything about faith and don't have faith, they can't rest until their help manifests. But God authorizes us to rest before it manifests. Just at the believing, we get to rest. Why? Because once I, once I perform the act of receiving, I believe that Jesus already purchased it, paid for it, and made it mine, and I take it. And on the inside of me, I thank him that I take it, I take it, I take it, and I rejoice over it. Real faith doesn't really rejoice when it manifests any more than it rejoiced at the receiving. That's why to, to, the Bible says we're peculiar. Yes. Why? We dance and we, we rejoicing because on the inside I took it. On the inside it dawned on me. I took it with my spirit. On the, in my heart, I believe it's mine. I believe it's mine. I believe it's mine. If I will hold to that, it will be consummated in this natural realm. And it will manifest. But I'm not going to let go. And that's where the good fight of faith is. Don't be swayed off of what you have laid hold of with your spirit. Because if you will just keep, keep holding fast to that, that which you received with your spirit, it's only a matter of time before it shows up. You say, Pastor Nancy, I still don't understand it. Well, keep coming back. Keep watching Jesus the healer. You've got to be around truth for it to dawn on you. You've got to listen to it over and over and over for it to dawn on you. The Bible said about, Dad, Dad Hagen used to say this, you can school yourself into faith. Well, let me say this. Believing faith is just this, acting on the word. That's what it is. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Let's put the act of faith. Let's put the definition of faith. The definition of faith is acting on the word. Just act on the word. If you believe, act on the word. If you believe, act on the word. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without acting on the word, it's impossible to please God. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by acting on the word. Just do what it says. Don't sit and measure. We'll do it. Do it. Can I? Will it work? What will happen? Just act. Just act. Just act. I receive. This is what people. Let, let me tell you what the, the natural mind does. I've done it. So let me just talk about me. I'll never bring. I won't bring you into it. I'll be the only guilty party in the room. You pray. Release your faith. And then check. And say. Did it work? Check in this realm. We don't check this realm. We check the word. That's where it flows from. What's the word say about it? And then we're authorized once we say, no, I release my faith. And I'm just going to go act like the word is true. I act like the word is true. I act like the word is true. Amen. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our acting on the word. It's not what can I believe, it's how can I act. How can I act? 
One way of acting is calling. It says about Abraham's faith in, in Romans chapter 4. Talks about Abraham's faith. Said faith calleth those things which be not as though they were. What's that? That's acting. That's an act. I'm calling it. Amen. I'm calling my body healed. Well, your body isn't healed. No, I call my body healed. I'm healed because the word says, not because my body told me I am. I'm healed because the word says. Uh, the, faith is interested in one thing, the word. Don't believe anything more than you believe what the Word says. Amen. Don't believe your body more than what you, you believe what the Word says. Amen. Let's just turn over there. Let's just turn over there to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. I want you to see this passage. Because when you leave this building, I want you to know what to do. Romans 4 verse 17 it reads, as it is written, God speaking, I have made thee. So is Abraham the father of many nations at this point? He sure is. Why? Because God already gave it. I have made thee a father of many nations. See, God said it. It's not enough for God to say it. Abraham's going to have to say. God tells you what to say. But until you say it and believe it, what he says doesn't matter. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed. Even God who quickeneth the dead, look at this, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. That means we talk about it as though it's ours even before we see it. Because it is ours. Who against hope, this is talking about Abraham, who against hope believed in hope. That he might become the father of many nations according to that, look at this, according to that which was spoken. Not according to that which was felt, according to that which was spoken. Not according to that which was visible, according to that which was spoken. Yes. So shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body. Yes. What's that mean? He didn't take counsel from his flesh. Right. Your body will talk to you. Yeah. It'll tell you, you're not getting any better. Shut up, body. I'm not taking my counsel from you. Right. I'm giving you. I'm giving you what you're going to take. You're not giving me what to take. Yes. He considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old. Look at this. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. What's that mean? He didn't consider his own body and he didn't consider someone else's either. That's right. Don't you touch in your thought life what happened to someone else. Yes. You start touching into... Because you start believing God for a miracle and the devil will parade it before your memory all the people you've ever heard of that did not receive their healing. That died of this or died of that. What's he trying to get you to do? Consider something other than the word. So it says that Abraham didn't consider his own body, neither, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not look at her condition and say whether or not they could have it. What are we holding to? What's God say? What God say? What God say? God made it so simple. All we have to do is hear what he says, know what he says, and repeat it at every opposition, at every pain, at every feeling, at every troubling thought, at every push of pressure on the mind. Just say what God says. You don't have to come up with the words. You don't even have to figure them out. Just ape and imitate. 
Amen. Amen. I call myself healed. I call myself healed. I call myself healed. Why? Because faith calleth. The only thing that comes from God into our lives is what we call. Not what was purchased. What we call of what was purchased. I call myself healed. Why? Because what belongs to me in Christ does not show up automatically. It shows up when I call. Calling transfers it from his realm to my realm. Amen. The more I call, the more it comes. The less I call, the less it comes. We can look at our life and know many times people think they need more faith when they just really need more calling. Just call. You ever notice the Bible calls it, calls it in Hebrews, it, speaking of Jesus, we have a great high priest who has passed into the heavens. And what's it say? He is the high priest of our profession. What's a profession? A confession. What are you confessing? Notice this. He's the high priest of our confession. What's that mean? He's there to make sure that what we confess comes to pass. He's the high priest over those words. And I love it. He's called the great high priest. Why? If someone is a great employee, they're good at their job. He's a great high priest because he is excellent. At his, wor- at his work of yeah. being high priest. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So we make a profession, a confession, and he is the high priest over that to see to it that it comes to pass. Notice what it doesn't call him. It does not call him the high priest of our faith. It does not call him the high priest of our faith. Now, he's the author of our faith, but he's not the high priest of our faith. Why? He can't fulfill as high priest anything you haven't said. He can only fulfill what you've confessed. What is a confession? Released faith. Faith comes by hearing. Faith does not operate by hearing. People need to get that. Faith comes by hearing. Faith does not operate by hearing. People say, I need to hear more word. I need to hear more word. Yes, we need to hear word. But you can't just hear, hear, hear and take it in and not release it. Because nothing will benefit till it's released. Jesus is the high priest of released faith. Not faith. Released faith. And it's released one way through a confession. That is an act of faith. Amen. Amen. So when you leave this place tonight, you hold fast to the confession of what he's already made yours. I am the healed. I don't care what my body says. I don't care what my mind says. I'm not a mind and I'm not listening to my mind. You listen to your mind, it'll get your life in all kinds of messes. You walk out of here and you say, I call myself healed. I've already got it because he already gave it. And I receive it, I receive it, I receive it, I receive it, I receive it. I call myself healed. I call that body part whole. I call myself free from pain. I call myself free from disease. I don't care if it killed my great granddaddy, my granddaddy, my pappy, my uncle. I don't care who it killed. I'm not under a generational curse. Redeemed from the curse of the law. 
And people say, well, yes, it's a generational curse because it's worked through my family. It's not for you why the devil works by pattern. It's nothing but a pattern. Because once you're born again, you're not under a curse. Wrong thinking is an open door. You are free. Amen. So we walk out of here and I don't care what the devil tries to get you to look at this person, that person and consider their situation. Not my issue. He'll try to get you figuring out and trying to answer why somebody died. None of your business. It's between them and God. Them and God. You can't even answer your own stuff. Why try to answer somebody else's? Right? Without divine help, you cannot even answer for your own life of what, why this, why that, what you're going to do. The whole, unless the Holy Spirit shows you, you don't know. And the devil wants to get you touching into what you don't know. Why? Because it will weaken your faith. You start looking at why somebody else didn't receive and it will destroy your faith. Not my job to answer that devil. That's between them and God. Well, I know they were believing God. You don't know what went on in the, in the inner chamber of their heart. You don't know. No, I know them. They're my best friend. They told me everything. Ain't nobody ever told you everything. <laughs> I don't have to answer for anything else but me. Amen. And it's between me and him. Amen. And it's not hard to receive from him. Because he's already given it. All I do is receive what he's already given. Can I tell you, pastors, fill your pulpits with faith messages. Because people cannot receive from God without faith. And if you don't teach faith, your people can't receive. That's right. Yeah. Amen. Fill your pulpit with faith messages. But to fill your pulpit with faith messages, you've got to fill yourself with it. Amen. The just shall live by faith. Well, I just don't think it's that important message. Well, we're saved by grace through faith. You didn't get saved without it. The just shall live by faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Everything hinges on faith. Everything hinges on faith. And if you're not preaching what everything hinges on, people's doors are off. And open to the devil. God said to us, I mean, for the year 2023, he said prevailing, uh, uh, what's the word? Flourishing faith. Flourishing faith. What's he saying? You just keep going in that, keep feeding that faith message. Why? Because where we're going, money can't fulfill it all. Listen, I don't care how rich you are. No man's wealth can fund the greatness of God's plan. His plan is so great that it's got to reach into something beyond a pocketbook. It's got to go get into the, it's got to get into the flow of faith to fulfill what came out of God. I know what God's told us about what, what's ahead. Lots of buildings, lots of property, lots of, lots of going ons. And it's not by money, it's by faith. And because of faith, the money comes. 
I said, because of faith, the money comes. Because of faith, the healing is yours. You receive it. You said, well, Jesus already provided it for me. Yeah, but you have to receive it by faith. And I know you came here tonight to do that. Amen. Stand with me to your feet. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. So grateful. So grateful, Father, for your divine word. So grateful for that all-conquering word. We hold to nothing but the word. The only thing we're interested in is what God said. Amen. That's all we're interested in is what God said. Amen. Hallelujah. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.